Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on John, Believe. Good morning, Cross family. Uh, today, we're going to continue through the Gospel of John. We'll be in chapter 16. So I would invite you to grab your Bible, uh, the journal, that if you're uh, still using the ESV journal, make sure you grab it, get you a pad, a pen, whatever, and I pray that you take some good notes today. In the 3,500 years of recorded history, the entire world has been at peace less than 8% of that time. That is less than 300 years. And during this time, over 8,000 peace treaties were made, then broken. Oh, and the world is absent today of peace. There's extreme violence in our nation, extreme violence in our world. We're seeing more drug and alcohol abuse than ever before. The family structure is under attack by those who are trying to redefine what God calls marriage. Those who stand for righteousness are being called intolerant. And as we look around, there's churches on every corner, but it doesn't seem to be making much of a difference. And the thing that saddens my heart is that morality among Christians is not much different than it is with the world. And these are desperate times in which we find ourselves living. People are searching, I believe, like never before. Again, if you take a look around you, the world is so out of step with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wars are being fought. Extreme famines are taking place all over the world, especially in third world countries. We have witnessed, even over the last years, so many severe and natural disasters. And Jesus said that it would be this way. Jesus said at the end of the age, there's going to be chaos and there's going to be all kinds of disruption. And you know as well as I do, regardless of the best devised plans that man has come up with, and even the best efforts that humanity has tried to provide, there will not be peace in our world and there will not be peace in our hearts without the Prince of Peace, Jesus himself. Jesus is the only source for peace that you and I have. In John chapter 16, now again, 13 through 17 is those last days of Jesus' earthly life. And uh, Jesus has laid out so many rich uh, truths and teachings for us. But in John chapter 16, as we pick it up, Here's what Jesus tells the disciples. He tells them right out of the gate, you're going to be persecuted. There's going to be all kinds of attacks and assaults that come your way. Then Jesus again reiterates that he will be crucified. And then he tells the disciples, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. He encouraged the, uh, the disciples, keep praying, keep pressing into the Father. And he basically tells them in chapter 16, don't stop believing. Believe like never before. And again, believe is the name of the series because the word believe appears over 90 times and it's about being persuaded to action. Now, John 16, 33 is kind of the key verse. And I want to build this entire message off of verse 33 here. But here's what Jesus says. These things I have spoken to you, 
all these things, 13, 14, 15, all the way through 16. And even as he talks about, you're going to be attacked, you're going to be persecuted, all that, all these things I have spoken to you so that in me, you will realize I am the only place you're going to find peace in the world. You're going to have trouble, but take courage. I have overcome the world. What a powerful, powerful verse. I would encourage you to memorize John 16, 33. But as we ponder it, notice the contrast that Jesus makes between in me versus in the world. He says, in the world, you're going to experience trouble, tribulation, trials, worry, anxiety, stress. All this stuff is going to happen in the world. We defined a few weeks ago the, world, uh, the word trouble, and it means to agitate. It means to cause inward commotion. It's to rid the mind of calmness. It's to disturb. It's to be overwhelmed with anxiety. And Jesus even said in John 14, 1, do not let your heart be troubled. Living in the world and living by the world's system I can promise you it will create all kinds of stress, anxiety, trouble in your life. And as I started thinking uh, about that, even the word stress is an interesting word. You hear it a lot in our society. But stress is when the demands and pressures of life exceed your resources to respond properly. And I see a lot of people stressed out right now. And basically, uh, being stressed means this. It's when the problem you're facing is greater than your potential, meaning what you have inside of you in regards to your resources. Stress, in its simplest definition for me, is just a, a preoccupation with the what-ifs and the unknowns. And the number one cause of stress, worry, anxiety, even trouble that people face today is money-related issues. I know it's spiritual. I know it's being separated, alienated from Christ. But when you start to look at people's lives, the number one cause of so many problems is money-related. It's mismanaging money. It's going into debt. And then as you start to look at trouble that we all face, not only do you look at money, but then you start to look at family dynamics, family issues, and then jobs, people liking their jobs, not liking their jobs, losing their jobs. And even today, right now, with what's happening in our country, I mean, people have bills to pay and they're trouble, they're weighed down. So many struggle with self-worth, even health-related issues. And for many, it's the fear of death. And I can promise you this with all my heart. When you start to look at worry, trouble, anxiety, whatever, stress, oh, it is useless, it's senseless, and it is very unhealthy. It's useless because it never accomplishes anything. Nothing is ever solved by stressing out. Being stressed has never solved a problem for you, and it's never solved one for me. I've come to realize that stress can't change the past, but it can paralyze my future. Being stressed makes us miserable. It's useless, and it does not work. I can tell you it's also senseless. It exaggerates our problems. It makes mountains out of anthills. The more you replace something in your mind that you're worried about, the bigger it gets. To stress about something you can't change, 
It's insane. I can't do anything about it. But to stress about something you can change, now that's pretty uh, stupid, dumb, and ignorant. Change it. Act on it. But I'm telling you right now, so much of what people deal with, it's senseless, it's useless, and stress is very unhealthy. Your body was not made to worry and to stress. It's unnatural. And when you worry, you start to get ulcers, heart uh, heartache starts to happen deep down inside, headaches, you can't sleep, you're restless. Our bodies were not made for stress. And I can promise you, even after watching my uh, grandson, Cedar, being born into the world, I can promise you this, you were not born into the world worrying. You had to learn how to worry. You were not born stressed out. It is a learned and practiced behavior. And I can tell you this, I can tell you this, if it's something you had to learn, it's something that you can unlearn. I had a guy tell me years ago, don't open your umbrella until it starts raining. And there's so many people that I meet walk through life with their umbrella open saying, well, I know it's going to rain in the next day, the next week, or even the next year. Don't, 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 don't anticipate. Don't get caught up into the what ifs and the unknowns. Now, here's what I personally believe. When the problem that you're facing is greater than your potential, it is a great reminder that you need a power greater than yourself. And God, I believe, uses crisis and different tensions and pressures in our life to say, you need something greater than you. And for me personally, and I know this to be true for you, the more you understand God, the easier it is for you to trust him. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but in me, you will have peace. Now, here is a solid definition of peace, and you may want to write this down. Peace is an inner sense of contentment and quietness regardless of the circumstances that you may be facing. It's having confidence as you read through the pages of Scripture, even as you walk through life. It's having confidence. God, you're faithful. God, you're dependable. And it's the presence of having the joy of the Lord even in the midst of uncertainty. And I can tell you, when the calmness and the rest and the joy of the Lord overtakes you, it's amazing. Now, for you today... You're sitting there pondering uh, in the world and versus in Christ. But I've got to ask you a question. Are you right now experiencing God's peace? Do you have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding? And, and, and step back and ask yourself the question, who is in control of my life? Who's calling the shots? I can promise you this. God's peace is greater than your anxiety. God's peace is greater than whatever you're facing today. And I want to encourage you, you can reduce trouble from your life today. You can reduce a lot of the anxiety and worry and stress that you're under today. How do you do it, Tim? I would tell you, it has to start here for each and every one of us. You've got to be willing to repent of your sin and personally receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. I'm telling you, when you do that, you're basically telling the Lord, I cannot manage my own life. I've made a wreck of it. I need you, Jesus. And so I encourage you, it starts with repenting and 
uh, receiving Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. Here would be a, a second step you can take. Ah, this is so practical, and so many of you need to hear this. Realize that you are not in control. A lot of us have to give up uh, thinking that we're in control. Learn to accept that most things in life are beyond your ability to control them. Ah, when you give up the, the, the thought process and the, the right of thinking that you're the fourth member of the Trinity, or as my friend Jackie Kendall would say, you got to turn in your junior God badge. It doesn't work. That's a great place to be. Here's another huge one for you. You want to overcome all the stress, trouble, and anxiety that you're facing? Meditate. Memorize the Word of God. Spend time daily chewing on the Word of God. Meditate on God's Word. Memorize God's Word. And then get you a journal and get a pen and write down what God is telling you. Write down some of the lies that you've believed and then write down the truth that God is revealing to you and start to walk in that truth. Here's another simple thing you can do. Focus on one thing at a time. Slow down. Be still. Stop multitasking. I have so many people tell me, man, I've got so many irons in the fire. I'm just, uh, I'm exhausted. I'm worn out. You don't have to live there. Another thing you can do is relax, refresh. You can carve out some time for yourself every week. Find some things that you enjoy doing. For me, it's like I've got to engage in physical activity. I've got to work out. I've got to sweat. I've got to do something to engage my body. You can do that, and it reduces the amount of worry, stress, anxiety that you're facing today. Here's another huge one for some of you. Learn to say no. Everybody's idea or everybody's idea that they throw at you is not your assignment. Just because a person has an idea and throws it at you, it doesn't mean you have to say yes. And learning to say no, not to everything, but to a lot of things, can free you up. Because we say yes to so many things that don't matter. Another one for me is learn how to laugh. Learn. Even Solomon would say, laughter is a good medicine, and we need good medicine right now. But find humor in life today. Something is going to happen around you today that you can laugh about. And, and when you start to find those things, it will start to reduce stress. When you're able to smile and lie, uh, laugh at life, it's so healthy for you. Here, here, here's another one. Identify the stressors for you. What are the things that make you feel stressed out or get you freaked out? I would say itemize those things. Know what they are in your own personal life. We all have what is called variable temptation, and what tempts you may not tempt the next person, and what stresses you may not stress the next person out. But when you start to identify, here are the things that absolutely send me in a tailspin, it's going to free you up. And, and, and I would tell you, let go of any anger, bitterness, or resentment that you're, you're holding on to today. Don't hold on to anger. Don't nurse grudges. If we would be intentional to seek restoration in relationships and let go of a lot of junk that we've been carrying, oh, it would free you up so much. I promise you, the more you understand God and the more you walk in his peace, the more you're going to trust him with your life. Now, 
I started thinking through this whole concept of just walking in the peace and in the freedom of Christ. And here's a few just simple practices, if you will, that you can implement right now. This is a very practical word for you. This is a word that will lead you to deeper hope and freedom in your life. I would say this to you. Realize your worth in Christ. If you've repented of your sin and placed your faith and confidence in Jesus Christ, identity is crucial, and you will hear us talk about identity so often here. But realize your worth in Christ. Most people confuse their work with their worth. And we think that if we work a lot and achieve a lot, that we're worth a lot. You cannot equate what you do with who you are. You do not have to prove your significance. You do not have to prove to others that you have self-worth. One of the things, again, I will teach this until I die, that the four basic laws written on the human heart, L-A-W-S, that the longing for love, acceptance, worth, and for girls, security, guys, significance, it is all met in Jesus Christ. Jesus loves me, he accepts me, I have worth, and I am significant. And I would encourage you to walk in that today. I love what Matthew chapter 6 says. And when you start to study even the Sermon on the Mount there, 5, 6, and 7, chapter 6 is a beautiful thing, but this phrase right here I think will encourage you today. He says, your heavenly Father feeds the birds, and you are far more valuable to him than birds. And I've sat there and thought about that over the years. God, you take care of the birds. I love watching birds. I have a bird feeder off our porch, and uh, I'll pour feed out at times. But I just watch the birds fly around, and, and I'm like, God, you take care of birds. You'll take care of me. And for you today, maybe you need to really just spend some time of evaluating and understanding what your identity in Christ is. Embrace your identity in Christ today. Here's a truth, and I would apply this to uh, my own personal life right now if I was you, because here's where I kind of land. And, and as I think about understanding and, uh, and embracing and appreciating my identity in Christ, I, I wrote down three things that I think are, are crucial. One, I will never, never, never understand how much God loves me. I can't wrap my mind around it. I mean, based on my waywardness and my sin and all my transgressions of the past and just where I was, I, I sat there at times and I'm like, I am blown away. God, you love me. The second thing would be this. I cannot make God love me anymore than he already does. I can't perform. I can't generate anything that is going to make him look down and go, I, I love you more based on your performance or your behavior. I can't, I can't do anything. And the third truth is this. There is nothing I can do to make God love me any less. He loves me based on his character. He does not love me based on my performance. He loves me based on his unconditional love. He loves you. You can't do anything to make him love you more, and you can't do anything to make him love you less. God loves you, and he's pursuing you, and he desires for you to respond to him. So I would say recognize your worth in Christ. Embrace your identity in Christ. Here would be a second thought. Enjoy what you have. Enjoy what you have. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 12, there is nothing better 
than to rejoice and do good in one's lifetime. Every man who eats and drinks in all his labor, this is a gift from God. I would tell you, enjoy life. Enjoying life is a gift from God. And you can get so preoccupied in getting more that you don't even enjoy what you've got now. The desire to acquire cripples so many people's lives. The they've got, so we've got to get more attitude, cripples people. It's been said, we buy things that we don't need with money that we don't even have to impress people that we don't even like. And so many people live there. They're crippled by having to acquire more and more, and they can't enjoy what they have. And the desire to acquire overextends so many people financially. We spend all of our time making payments on things that we bought, and relationships around us start to deteriorate. And I'm telling you, it saddens my heart when I see that, because as you study Scripture, that is not the way God wants us to live. The greatest things in life aren't things. It's relationships. Again, I've never, never, never heard a person on their deathbed say, I just wish I would have spent more time at the office. I wish I would have spent more time chasing money. I've never heard that. Now, it got me thinking, and I, I even started laughing thinking about this this week. I've heard people say, man, Tim, I just don't want to die broke. Oh, you, you don't want to die broke? But, but, but seriously, what a better time to go. You write your last check, and then you die? That's what I call perfect timing. Oh, I, 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 I enjoyed what I had, and when I left, I didn't owe anybody, but I, I, I went in debt, but I, I live free. And you can live free because here's the thing, and you've heard it said, you can't take it with you when you go. I would encourage you, learn to enjoy what you have while you've got it, and don't be all consumed or get consumed with thinking you've got to have more. Redeem the time today. Again, I had a friend share with me years ago that today is the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. And I was like, that's a great one-liner right there. Stop and enjoy what you have. I would say this to you, learn to value simplicity. Make a decision, even right now. Carve it out, learn to value simplicity. The simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Again, I said it's one of my favorite uh, verses, but, but sit down and simplify things and Use your time for things more than just work. Schedule time for yourself. Schedule more time for prayer and meditation and reflection and memorization of Scripture. Set aside time to be with your family. These are so important and essential things in our life. Richard Swenson, I read a book by him years ago, Margin, M-A-R-G-I-N. I know with my southern accent it may sound like I said margarine, but it's margin. But listen to what Swenson said in his book. We must have room to breathe. We need freedom to think and permission to heal. Our relationships are being starved to death by velocity. No one has time to listen, let alone love. And our children lay wounded on the ground, and they're being run over by high-speed good intentions. He asked the question, is God now pro-exhaustion? Does he still lead people beside the still waters anymore? And I love it. If you want to read something provoking, read Swenson's book. 
But here's what I know. If you're burning the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. You're not. You need to learn to simplify your life and evaluate every day what is really important. I would tell you that is so crucial in simplifying. I've got to evaluate every day what is important, what matters, what does God value? Because we all get exhausted at times, right? I mean, there's physical exhaustion, tired muscles, but those can be replenished. We can do things to get the body stronger. But then we go through emotional exhaustion, tired emotionally and tired mentally, and we're all over the place. And you can restore even that in that area. But spiritual exhaustion, when you start to have a dry spirit, this is the deepest pit to get out of. And I would invite you, come and press into the Lord. Seek the heart of Jesus and allow the Lord to bring restoration into your life today. Walking in God's peace means that I start to readjust what my values are and I start to exchange my pressure for his perspective. When I'm walking in peace, I'm readjusting and I'm looking, God, what are your values? What is your perspective? And I trade it. I want what you've got. Because as we walk in the peace of the gospel, the peace of Jesus Christ can endure an avalanche of hardship, adversity, and difficulty that you're going through today. True peace does not come from circumstances or events or even just the good things or, or even how we would define good things happening in our life. True peace, don't miss it, is based on the fact that the Holy Spirit, which is the power and the presence of our omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent Holy God dwelling inside of us. And I encourage you to walk in his power and peace today. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Think about it. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I've been justified through faith. I've been declared righteous through faith in Christ, in Christ alone. And he says, hey, you've got peace now. I'm going to give you my peace. And I'm going to give you a peace that transcends your human understanding. And I encourage you today to contemplate the power of what God has done in our lives. We're no longer separated. We're no longer uh, alienated. And, and because of sin, it did. It created so much trouble and so much tension and so much strife and so much discomfort. But Jesus has removed that power of sin once and for all. The presence of sin may be around us, but the power of sin does not dwell inside of us. And Jesus even promised, in me, in me, Jesus said, you will have peace. Even in John 14, 27, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And I pray that you have reached that place where you're a recipient of the peace of Christ dwelling inside of you. It is so comforting for each and every one of us to realize this. It is so comforting to know that we can have peace with God. Man, it is so comforting to lay your head on the pillow at night, even as you walk through life, uh, life and go, I am so thankful that I have peace with God. I'm not at war with God. And I, I can enjoy the goodness of God. We can have peace with others. 
again, we don't have to live with all these fractured relationships and we don't have to treat relationships as being disposable, that we can have peace with others because of the goodness of the power of the gospel inside of us, but we can be at peace with ourselves. And even when he says, I want you to love your neighbor as you do yourself, when you're walking in the peace of the gospel, you can live it out. So peace is the result of obedience to God and it's the assurance that God is in control. Internal peace comes from obeying what God commands and I can promise you it is the key to lasting peace and the presence of God saying, I am yours. I'm walking in my identity. I'm walking in my worth and I'm trusting you. Now, for a lot of people, I want you to hear this. God's peace is not going to eliminate the storms around you, but his peace is his guaranteed presence no matter what we face. And I think a lot of times we pray, uh, uh, where's the peace of God? He, he walks with us in the storms. A lot of times we want just the storms eliminated, but we never grow and we never trust him deeper and we never have to depend on him deeper. And so I would tell you this, Isaiah 26 verse 3 was a verse I memorized years ago. Oh, I love this verse. He says, you, God, will keep him in perfect peace who trusts in you and whose mind stays fixed on you. Oh, he says, I will keep you in perfect peace. It's trusting in and it's allowing my mind to stay fixed on. And I would encourage you to memorize that. Hey, stay fixed with your thought life on the Lord. I like what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said, the true measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but it's where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. And I was reading that going, he is right because that man is walking in peace. He's trusting God. His mind is fixed on the Lord and it will allow you to stand strong even when challenges and controversy and just crazy circumstances surround you. Oh, it's so strong. So again, peace is not the absence of problems. You're going to have difficulty in your life. You can't just avoid all chaos. Unresolved conflict, I can promise you, is not going to bring uh, peace in your life. You got, you got to deal with it. Peace is not the absence of pain. There will be physical things we work through, mental and emotional. You're going to have pain at times. Uh, peace is not the absence of dealing with crazy, difficult people. There's always going to be hurting people around us and high-maintenance style people. And it's not appeasing everybody uh, in, in living a superficial life. That, that's not peace. I'm walking in God's peace. I'm walking in God's peace when he comforts me even in the midst of troubles trials and storms. I'm walking in God's peace when I can let go of past wrongs done to me. I'm walking in peace when I no longer try to control every situation that I'm in. I'm walking in peace when I pray and I believe and then I believe and I pray. I'm walking in peace when I'm content and I'm controlled and I'm yielded to the Holy Spirit. 
Oh, that's a peaceful place to be. I'm walking in peace when I do not have to complain about my circumstances, when I do not try to manipulate the situation or people around me, when I'm not just living a a life of craziness, just uh, being impulsive about everything. Oh, I'm walking in peace. But I'm not experiencing God's peace when my mind and thought life is all cloudy and crazy. I'm not experiencing God's peace when I compromise with sin and avoid what he's already laid out in Scripture. I'm not walking in peace if I allow my circumstances to control my spiritual life, or if I'm bitter toward God or bitter toward others, or if I'm slandering the name of other people, I'm not walking in his peace. If I'm constantly exhausted and depressed, or if I'm avoiding other people and hiding from others, or if I'm not able to relax, or if I'm complaining, or I've got this vengeful spirit and I want revenge, I'm not, I'm not walking in his peace. If I refuse to admit my mistakes and face them and even learn from them, and if I'm blaming everybody else for the situation that I'm in, I'm not walking in peace. And I would encourage you to walk in the peace of Jesus. Jesus said, and here's my close, in me, you will have peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And I would encourage you this in closing. Receive God's peace. Receive his love, his grace, his mercy today. Repent and receive Jesus as the Lord and authority of your life. Number two, release today any resentment unforgiveness, bitterness, anything you're holding on to, would you please release that and nail it to the cross of Christ today? I would also encourage you, number three would be this, reject living in the past with all of its guilt and shame. It's time to get our heads out of the past and start to look at Christ and move into the future. Four, please hear me, refuse to waste time and energy listening to the enemy's lies. Meditate, memorize, start to believe God's truth and quit empowering the the lies of the enemy. Five, stop indulging in self-pity. You're not the only one going through a tough time. Stop being consumed with where you're at and how you got there. So many people are just weighed down with self-pity. Stop it cultivate, number six, I would tell you, cultivate godly values and compassion and generosity. Cultivate the values of God. Start extending the compassion and kindness of Christ. Live a generous life. And again, for me, number seven would be this, live with eternity as your backdrop. You can do that. My uncle passed away this week. Oh, one of the most influential men in my life, outside of my dad growing up, My uncle Moose, yes, he was so influential. And now he has stepped in to eternity with the Father. And I think every day we should live with eternity in the backdrop. So as you continue to go through even the challenges of life, the storms, the different chaos around us, let me encourage you with something. There is another in the fire. And we're going to close just with a powerful, powerful song. And I would tell you, ponder these lyrics as we go through them. There was another 
in the fire. He's standing next to me. There was another in the waters. He was holding back the sea. If I ever should need to be reminded of how I've been set free, there is a cross that bears a burden where another died for me. There is another in the fire. And I pray that you would trust God right now like never before to believe that he is with you, he'll never leave you, and he wants to walk with you through whatever you're going through. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you that in Christ we have peace. In the world, there's all kinds of trouble. But in Christ, we take courage. Jesus, you have overcome the world, and our identity is in you. Our faith and confidence is in you. I pray that you would encourage every person that is set there today and pondered, Father, what I believe to be such a powerful, powerful word out of John 16, that we would choose to walk in the peace of the gospel. As we continue to worship, we say thank you. Thank you, God, for being with us. And as you sit there today, you go, man, I, I would really love to, to talk to someone. I need help. All you've got to do right now, there'll, there'll be an email at the bottom of the screen, Dustin at thecrossloganville.org. If you'll send him a note, he'll, be, he'll communicate with the remainder of our staff. We want to help you take that next step. Join us now as we continue to celebrate God in song. There's another in the fire. Hey, thank you so much for watching the message. Uh, we hope that you really pulled some things out of it. And just know that our desire is for every person, whether you ever step in this building or not, to become fully alive in Christ. Yeah, we want to see you committed to Christ. We would love to see you connected to others in a small group. And we believe it's important to uh, become a contributing member to the body of Christ through uh, sharing your faith, uh, as well as financially investing in the work of God. That's right. And so we pray that you're growing, that you're striving forward. There's so many resources on the website. You can watch past messages, your testimonies from people. And we pray that you utilize those. And we hope to see you on a Sunday morning. Hey, make it a great day and enjoy uh, the abundant life in Christ.